1: A lot going on this week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. We're going to be recapping this week's episode of Vanderpump Rules. We're also going to be recapping this week's episode of The Real House is Beverly Hills, which was the season finale. Got so much Kyle and most stuff that we got to discuss. However, before we get into any of that, I got to talk about this New York Times piece that came out about Tom Sandoval from Vanderpump Rules. That's right. Tom Sandoval had a profile in the New York Times. It is a wild ride. Now, this has been getting picked up everywhere. It's gone viral. Of course, some of the comparisons that he made, which we're going to get into in a minute, uh, were troubling to say the least. Uh, but the whole thing is really quite the journey. And I want to read some excerpts from it because it just blew my mind. Now, Riley is his uh, young 20-something publicist that is also featured in this article. So the whole time this reporter's talking to Tom Sandoval at his house, uh, he's also there with Riley, again, I believe a 23-year-old or young 20 publicist uh, for Tom Sandoval, who in the piece also says that she's been watching Vanderpump Rules since middle school. <laughs> That was tough to hear. Uh, but that's not the point. The point is, Riley's the publicist. Then there's the reporter who's talking to Sandoval. So let's read a couple of excerpts, and then we're going to discuss this. So the reporter says, uh, I asked – oh, and by the way, I want you to all go support the papers. Go listen to the – read the whole thing on the New York Times. Uh, again, whatever you got to do to read this whole piece because it's quite a wild ride. I'm only reading a couple small portions of it, but it is truly worth the entire read because it's a journey. Okay, so the reporter says, uh, I asked Sandoval why he thought the scandal got so big. I'm not a pop culture historian, really, he said. But I witnessed the O.J. Simpson thing and George Floyd and all these big things, which is really weird to compare this to that, I think. But do you think in a weird way it's a little bit the same? I looked over at Riley, who was typing furiously on her phone. I think I knew what he meant. He was trying to express the oddity of becoming the symbolic center of a nationwide discussion and a major news story. What he communicated instead was something more honest, which is just how much the experience had made him lose perspective. I did what I did because I was in an unhappy place in my life, he said. I got caught up in my emotions and I fully fell in love. Like, for real, dude. He didn't say dude, I just added that. (laughs) He sighed and drained his teacup. Then he got up put on some upbeat music and went upstairs to get ready for a night out. Sometimes he says too much, Riley said. And the following day, he forgets what he says. Then she too went upstairs to have a quick word with him. So Riley goes upstairs, and the next day, the reporter is supposed to attend the taping of one of Sandoval's uh, confessional interviews for the show. Uh, unfortunately, uh, she received a text from his publicist, Riley he'd rather you don't attend today. He's not feeling his best. Now, eventually, the reporter does connect again with Tom Sandoval, although it's clear that the publicist that he had hired, as well as the Bravo publicist team, did not want him to talk any further to a reporter. However, he did. Uh, and then the reporter goes on. Uh, Sandoval was in a small dressing room, applying dabs of makeup to his forehead. In front of him were three caffeinated beverages, a Red Bull an iced coffee, and a Dr. Pepper. He sipped each intermittently. That's fucking crazy. That's crazy, you guys. That's crazy. He had a Red Bull, an iced coffee, and a Dr. Pepper. His heart's going to explode. There's no reason to should be drinking all that caffeine. Anyway, the reporter goes on. Uh, Sandoval said he was feeling depressed. He had no shit from all that caffeine. You need to put that away. Uh, Anyway, he said the same thing the last time I saw him, the reporter says. When I asked if the depression was show-related, he had said, somewhat show-related, just life, business stuff, it's hard. Sandoval began to perform loud vocal exercises. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Sandoval began to perform loud vocal exercises. He applied pomade to his hair, combing it back with his fingers, and changed into a light Blue woman's suit from Zara, which he said he preferred to the store's menswear. The suit looked good, but the sleeves barely reached his wrists. As he emerged from the dressing room, there was something about the suit's feminine cut combined with Sandoval's physique and slightly hunched posture that reminded me of Heath. Ledger, <laughs> that reminded me of Heath Ledger's Joker in the scene at the hospital where he wears a nurse's uniform. I. Guys, you have to read the whole thing. Those are just some... That's literally... The reporter said that he reminded her of the Joker when he's wearing the nurse's costume when Tom Zinzival was sitting in the dressing room wearing the woman's suit from Zara. I mean, it's the craziest thing. It's like a Mad Libs, that whole thing. And then, again the thing that got viral that got picked up everywhere was him comparing Scandaval to George Floyd in the O.G. Simpson trial, which is just the most crazy. It's wild. It's wild. He did ultimately release an apology about that on his Instagram account. But the fact that that even made it to... Dep- I don't even understand the logistics of how the publicist didn't step in. And then also, I don't understand what public uh, What uh, company is he with uh, with uh, PR reps that they're sending a 23-year-old to his house uh, who... Is there for the New York Times piece? If there's a New York Times piece, they better be sending us somebody else. I mean, poor Riley was in overhead, and just for Riley too, because that gal was just fresh out of college. I'm assuming I don't know her background. I'm assuming Riley had just got out of college, and then she's face to face with this guy that she, this demon she's been watching on TV since middle school. And then she's got to be there for a piece of the New York Times. I mean, Riley was in over her head. I've actually never seen someone so in over their head, quite like Riley has been. That that gal, she was like the fray, in over the head under the cable car. What was that song by the fray? Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Remember the fray? They were always singing about how to save a life. They also had a song about, I'm in over my head. And poor Riley better put that on repeat because that gal was in over her head. There's no the reason she should have been there for the New York Times. just as for Riley. Um But also, Riley, you're going to need you to step up and do a better job. You should have gotten that strike from the record because that whole piece, I mean, did not make him look good. And I've been saying it for weeks and weeks and months and months that if I think public opinion on that man would turn around if he would just zip his lips, but he can't help himself. So every time he talks, he's getting himself in uh, more and more of trouble. And so I couldn't even believe it. I also tuned in to watch what happens live and I do have a bone to pick with those people over there at WWHL because I tuned in after the Vanderpump Rules episode because I saw that Schwartz, Shoeless Schwartz was going to be on watch what happens live. And after that New York Times piece dropped, I thought, oh, I better tune in to watch what happens live. I got to see what's, what's going on over there and see what Schwartz has to say. Because, you know, every time that man opens his mouth about the scandal, he digs himself uh, into a, a deeper hole too. And so Schwartz, I was just waiting to tune in, and I don't know if they just decided to uh, film it early, or if they couldn't address it, but they did not address the New York Times piece at one time, and I wanted to hear Schwartz's opinion on it. And maybe that's purposeful. They probably don't want anyone talking about it, because it did make them all look like the worst. (laughs) I mean, truly, that... Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But I wanted to see what Shorts had to say about it. And then he's on Watch What Happens Live. It's like, what's the point of doing this after show if I can't even hear his opinion about it? No, but we love the Watch What Happens Live people. I don't mean to complain about them. But I was just upset because I was tuning in. and so excited to see that man. I don't need to see him otherwise uh, on that show. It's like, I'm there to get his opinion. I uh, Come on. Andy Cohen, though, was so funny when watching Schwartz on Watch What Happens Live, because Andy Cohen literally had to say, like, raise your shoulders. He was like trying to coach Schwartz in the middle of his answers, because Schwartz was doing that sheepish thing where he's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how to answer this question. Oh, my God. You know, he's doing the sheepish thing that he always does. And Andy's like, sit upright. And like, Sit up right and answer the fucking question. You know, like Andy was getting pissed with them. I've never seen Andy like that. I loved it. Loved it. Uh, anyway, the New York Times, go read it. Go support your papers. I know it feels like every all of these places that we read things now, you got to sign up for the subscription, but it is worth it to support the writers out there. I, journalism is in a bad place right now, so support whoever you can support. Anyway, um, let's go ahead into Vanderpump Rules, shall we? I will play a little clip from this week's episode, and then we're going to talk about this uh, episode. This guy that I haven't spoken
0: to in, you know, however many months, all of a sudden is some sort of a authority on who
1: I am and how I live my life and what I think and feel. Well, that's interesting. Just like a man. All right, I do feel like Taylor's as Time, this was so predictable that they were going to paint Ariana a little bit villainous, a little bit like the person who's not moving on. And again, I just have to repeat that I think Tom Sandoval would have looked much better if he would have just shut his mouth, because I think that the audience would have started to turn on Ariana. They're showing us clips like that. Now, you can't see the clip, but on the episode of Vanderpump Rules, as she's saying that, which is kind of, it's a cold thing to say, right? But I think that she has complete merit to say something like that, because this was just three months after her whole life blew up, okay, with this demon. And so she's saying it, but they're showing this like pretty cold soundbite. And as they're showing it, she's like fluffing up her own makeup, she's doing her face. And so it makes her look very villainous. And I think everyone in the audience would have started to look at her like the villain if Tom Sandoval couldn't keep putting his foot in his mouth. Do you get what I'm saying? But otherwise, I do think they're trying to paint Tom. And and Lisa Vanderpump, too, here. This is going to be tough to talk about this episode, because I feel very strongly... We have to be careful with the mental health aspect of this conversation. And it's been alleged these uh, suicidal thoughts uh, have been alleged on the show. Tom Sandoval said that, I believe, last week or maybe the week before. And Lisa Vanderpump has opened up about her brother who passed from suicide. And uh, she is relating Tom Sandoval's situation with her brother. And she's telling the other gals this week she invited Lala and Sheena over. And she said, look, we got to be careful about all this and so I do want to say that that's a very important conversation to have. I've opened up in the past about my own uh, situations, mental health and uh, suicidal ideations and all that kind of thing. Um, so I, am, I want to be as respectful and nice and kind and with kid gloves as possible when it comes to that conversation. But I do have a bone to pick when it comes to the show presenting it to us for sympathy on Tom, because I think that it would be uh, who the network that if this cast member, if they were seriously concerned with Lisa Vanderpump's an executive producer on the show, and then they also have uh, obviously uh, other producers as well. But if it was an actual concern that Tom was having these suicidal uh, things that were show related, I would think that the network, the producers would step in and say, well, you probably shouldn't film this show right now. Maybe take a season off, worry about your mental health and, Uh, do not come back because it probably wouldn't be good for you. Or Lisa Vanderpump, as an executive producer, instead of inviting Tom on screen and talking about it, she would maybe have that conversation and say, you should take a step back from the from the group or in that uh, conversation at pump as it was closing maybe she should have said oh this is maybe not a good time for you to continue filming again so maybe we take a breather or maybe you do just take some time away from the group so that's where i kind of it rubs me the wrong way a little bit because yes i understand they're trying to show his reality and i think that's a great thing for him to open up about his own mental health struggles and i think it'll make other people feel less alone i get that but then i also think from a production aspect somebody would have stepped in if they were very concerned with that. And so I don't know. That's where I kind of feel like somebody's bamboozling me. And I don't know who's bamboozling me, but I do feel somebody's bamboozling me. I don't know who. I don't know who. But I do feel like they're trying to trick me. Um. Anyway, let's get back to the beginning of the episode because uh, we open with uh, everyone getting ready. We see Schwartz doing push-ups. in Schwartz's apartment, too, I just have to say, we're focusing on them plants, but I'd also like to talk about how that TV's on the ground. And can we get them a TV stand? They're all doing these Amazon Live partnerships. You mean somebody, somebody Amazon can't send them a TV stand or somebody, you can't get somebody to send a box over there. I don't know. Just use move uh, something. It feels like you got to get that TV a little higher. Just uh, boost it up. I'm not saying you got to hire a task rabbit to come over and hang it on the wall in seven minutes. Like Sheena Shays ex. But maybe you should hire Rob to bring it up uh, and put it on the wall, because otherwise I'm just looking at it sitting on that ground. And so as soon as he was doing the push-ups there, I'm like, we need to get that TV hung. Somebody, let's get, was it, she- was Rob, who was the ex, Sheena's ex that could hang the TV in seven minutes? I think uh, whoever that was, we need him in frame and hanging that fucking TV, because I can't look at it on the ground one more time. Um, Speaking of Sheena, though, do you see when she's in her bathroom getting her makeup done? She's got glamour headshots. She's got glamour headshots in the bathroom. And I would just like to discuss those for 45 minutes because what the fuck are those? (laughs) Sheena's always had glamour shots around the house. But I just don't know that I've ever seen the glamour shots in the bathroom of just herself so she could do the makeup. I mean, it was crazy. And I loved it. I loved it. Meanwhile, James and Allie are getting ready for their pool party, and every time we go to James and Allie's house, we got to see the airplane going overhead now. Every single time, they're not showing us at a house, not one time without showing us the an airplane, and I, for one, cannot be happier because just being reminded every time I see James and Allie that they're right underneath, <laughs> they're right next to the Burbank airport, it's a good thing for me. But they're having a pool party. I was a little nervous for them having this pool party because I thought everyone was going to throw them under the bus about the airplane being so close by, but then I don't think anyone even said anything once they arrived for the pool party. But DJ James Kennedy went to Home Depot Target Vons, bought 12 towels, spent 2K on this pool party, had to get a whole grill, whole ass grill, and so they're getting ready for that. Meanwhile, Tom and Ariana's house, Ariana and Katie revealed that that night before the Sir night that we saw last week on the show, apparently Ariana's Lyft driver uh, from... Last night on the show was the same Lyft driver as the night of the infidelity. That's right. This man, this, I must, was it a man? I think she said it was a man uh, who was never uh, aware of the show. He was the Lyft driver. Imagine, what a star. Imagine, what a star. He was the lift driver the night of the affair uh, coming out, and then also after Sir. And so Ariana said she gave him a whole heads up and said, we're no longer together. And he said, oh, that's probably good because Ariana and Tom were in that lift uh, initially that first night together. So that man, the things that he must have heard. I mean, the things that man must have heard. And I hope that he was in the front seat. You know, I, I know the... The drivers maybe sometimes aren't supposed to get in the mix, but I hope that man that night of the infidelity release when he's driving uh, Ariana and the demon home, I hope that he spoke up and said something like, get out of the car, Tom, or I don't know what, but something. I don't know what. It's not up to me. But I hope he said and did something. Hope he said and did something. Uh, and then, okay, we talked about Ariana shading shorts in the confessional. Uh, they're not going, Ariana and Katie are not going on this cast trip. Katie says she would rather eat a leather, eat a jean jacket. Is that a saying that I've just never heard of? I, I swear to you guys, I, I've i been thinking about this upwards of two hours, at least since I've heard this, when Katie said that she'd rather eat a jean jacket. I was like, is, is that something? You know, back in the 90s, I was like, it's all that and a bag of chips or talk to the hand, you know, one of those. I, it sounded like something that could have been from the 90s. And so I wondered if it was something from the 90s of eat a jean jacket, eat a jean jacket. Nowadays, I don't know what's real and what's not. Especially too, because I just watched that J Lo movie. Did you guys see the J Lo movie? Not to get us too off track here, but the J Lo movie on Amazon. You also got to watch that. It's the craziest fucking thing I've ever seen. It felt like it was an acid. And I was just on the phone with my mom, and uh, it came up because my parents watched it, and she apparently had to explain the whole thing to my dad. And so he's in the, <laughs> he was in the background of the phone. I'm on, I'm on the phone with my mom. She's like, Dan, did you watch the J Lo movie? And I was like, Yeah, you guys watch it. She's like, Yeah, it was. I thought it was good. I go, mom. You understood it because I love my parents, but they're not always into the kind of more metaphorical things. You know, they like straightforward. Show them Paul Blart Mall Cop or something's got to give, and they're in heaven. But otherwise, I don't know that they're really necessarily into the things that they're going to have to metaphorically analyze. So anyway, my dad's in the background. He's like, "I didn't fucking get it," <laughs> and the my mom's like, "Of course you didn't, Gary, because you weren't paying attention. We were playing slots on your phone the whole time." And then my dad's like, no, it didn't make any fucking sense. And my mom's like, sure it did, for she's searching for love with Ben Affleck. She was searching in the factory, and then the board of astrologers helped her. What didn't you get, Gare? I tried to tell you. My dad's like, board of astrologers? That doesn't make any fucking sense. Gary, it was the board of astrologers. What didn't you get? It was right there on screen. Jane Fonda was right there telling you. The board of astrologers helping her find love. I didn't fucking get it, my dad. Oh, but I loved it. It did feel like a fever dream. And I'm very excited. I guess there's a documentary coming out about it or whatever. I don't know. I found it wild. wild. But you definitely have to drop some acid or something before you watch because just don't go in there cold. It's very dangerous to go put on that Lo movie cold. At least I don't do something to prepare. Maybe you need to take a cold plunge like Tom vaulted did in this episode, which you know I feel about cold plunges. I'm sick of them. What are we all doing the cold plunges for? i got to watch it every time I'm on Instagram now, the hot guys I follow on Instagram. All the hot straight guys are doing the cold plunge on Instagram. All the male models, they're all doing the fucking cold plunge. And it was fun for a second because you get to see the guys with their blouses off, and it's nice. They hop in the cold water. But at a certain point, I've seen enough cold plunges on Instagram, and they're all posting them every fucking second. Every second, Mark Wahlberg's in there at 2 a.m. I got to watch him do a – I don't even follow him. It's showing up on my on my feed. I got to watch Mark Wahlberg tell me to get in the cold-ass water at 3 a.m. in the morning. It's like I already feel bad enough about myself. I don't need to look at some Mark Wahlberg hopping in a cold plunge at 2 a.m. on my Instagram feed every goddamn morning. It's like enough. I mean, come on. I got to look at these people. It's just – it's truly the worst. And I don't even think – it. I don't know that it does anything. And what was the fuck was this I'm sorry to get us off track here but what the fuck was the name of this place it was into the intimacy but it was like supposed to be like intimacy you could what the fuck is that can we just uh, yeah. <sighs> can we get a copyright lawyer on the phone or something I don't know it just feels wrong and I don't know if, if, what we could do about that but I feel like we need to change the name of that place because why is a cold plunge place called intimacy uh, it's supposed to sound like intimacy. Just call the fucking place intimacy then. What are we doing? Intimacy. I thought we were watching Blow Deck or something when I saw Intimacy. When I'm watching the robes, I'm like looking at Billy Lee on screen, who I thought was let go from this show, wearing a robe that says Intimacy. And I'm like, am I uh, high? Like, what is going on here? It's just so crazy, this show. And I don't think any store should be called Intimacy. Intimacy intimacy see it doesn't even roll off the fucking tongue. Just call it intimacy. What are we doing here? everyone's trying to get too clever with the naming. Just name it something everyone could follow. I mean, come on, everyone's getting too wild with the naming, and maybe it's just we're getting to the point where things were running out of names, but we certainly shouldn't be calling an establishment intimacy intimacy i th- I swear to you I thought I was on blow deck sailing yacht that I turned to blow deck sailing yacht because when I saw Billy Lee in that robe, it almost looked like one of the charter guests or something i don't know. It felt like the name, doesn't that intimacy sound like the name of uh, Captain Jason Yacht or something? I don't know. I don't watch the blow decks, but um, let's move on. Uh, Vanderpump on, uh, she invites uh, Sheena and Lala to Villa Rosa. She's got a new dog named Donut. And they're playing some like very sexy music as they're showing us LVP's house. And and it's like, we're just meeting her dog Donut. Like we do not need this, like, let's get fucked music because. (laughs) I swear it was like, that's the kind of music they were playing. Lisa Vanderpump, she's like, here's my new dog, Donut. And then they just started showing a bunch of footage of her house, like the crystals, close-ups and stuff. But it was, I swear it was like sex music or something. I don't know. I was like, why? I shouldn't feel horny after she just told me about her new dog named Donut. And not only that, but like, I don't need to feel horny when I'm looking at LVP in general. So why are you playing this sexy-ish music as you're showing her house? And there's like ponies in the backyard. Like, this is not, nothing sexy about this. Uh, But she does say, I want to talk to you about some things, and you're not going to like what I have to say, but I spent some time with Sandoval, and he's in a dark place, she says to Shishi and Lala. And Sheena says, well, look, he blocked me, and he's leaning into his villain energy. She told him to get a therapist, and then Lala's pissed, because if you remember back uh, last week on the show Outside the Sir Dump— She was called The Narcissist by Tom Sandoval, and so she's pissed now. And again, I say I think they're all probably narcissists, and so am I. i got a podcast here where I talk for an hour all by myself, all by my lonesome once a week. I talk for an hour. So everybody is. Everybody is. Certainly everybody on this show, I'm assuming, is a narcissist. So Lala's pissed about it, though. And she brings up her situation with Randall and – I don't know. This whole conversation was bumming me out, honestly. Sheena does say it's not easy for her. She says, he was one of my best friends. And of course, we knew that Sheena and Lala would be the ones to come around and start filming more with Tom Sandoval. But I think they should have just either waited much more time to film this season or they should have waited less time. Like, we should have just gone straight from the reunion into filming. This three-week break thing, has, I think, was one of the biggest mistakes in Bravo history. Bravo history. I mean, I hate to be dramatic, but it does feel like this was a huge mistake because we're at this weird point where we as the audience have moved on from Scandal, but the cast members on the show have not moved on because it's only been three weeks for them, or what was it, three weeks? Yeah, it was three weeks, I think, since the reunion. So there hasn't been enough time for them to pass, but we're, as the audience moved on, so again, they either should have picked up immediate filming and then aired the season quicker, or they should have waited much more time because this weird in-between is not working for me. And maybe those other options wouldn't have worked either, but I feel like this is such a weird strain. I'm exhausted by the Scandaval, and yet none of the cast members can move on because not enough time has passed, and it was so consuming for their whole lives. So, of course, nothing else was going on except for the scandal. So, it's a weird a weird situation. Uh, anyway, at the pool party, we see Schwartz arrives in flip-flops with another plant. He's brought them three plants. Three plants! Just always bringing them... Uh, and then... I'm confused about our timeline, too, because Schwartz says he's drinking. But from what the show is telling us, the night before this pool party was the Sir night that we saw last week, right? Where he was explaining that he was being sober curious. So now it feels like the next day, even though more time might have passed. It feels like it was like the next day or two days later that we're having this pool party. And so I'm like, wait, he's drinking. He just told me last night he's not drinking much. And James, too, I'm a little confused about his uh, DJ James Kennedy's sobriety because he was drinking that weed drink, but was the weed drink that he was chugging, did that ha- also have alcohol in it or was just infused with weed? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but Schwartz also, what's he doing with all these plants? Why is he all of a sudden Poison Ivy from Batman running in there like Uma Thurman? Like he's got a plant every scene now. And I didn't know he was... Such a plant daddy that he's showing up in every scene now with a new plant. He's got them bugs at this house, too, that we learned about a couple weeks ago. Uh, but he's growing a rainforest cafe inside that house with Joe, which we're going to get to Joe. Don't worry. Don't worry. But they're living in a rainforest cafe because they're bringing plants everywhere he's going. He's got a plant. Um, and then I was very concerned because James ended up jumping from the roof. Jumping from the roof into the pool. Because I was so scared. I was so scared. James just went up on that roof. DJ James Kenny looking like Vinny Chase from Entourage jumped into the pool and then immediately Shula Schwartz got on that uh, roof and jumped off of it like Turtle from Entourage because then they were going back to back and it was just wild. I was scared for everybody jumping off that roof into the pool because you just don't know. You could snap a neck. You could could slip. There's water involved. There's water involved. You just slip and drown. It's not safe. It's not safe. So I'm going to need them to stop doing that. You do not jump off a roof. Uh, meanwhile, speaking of being plunged into water, we have that scene happening with Tom and Billy Lee at Intimacy or whatever the fuck that was called. Intimacy. Oh, I hate that name, you guys. I hate it. and And I hate that there's a place that's just for cold plunging. What we're doing, we got to have whole establishments now to sit in the cold water, sit into ice water. I mean, come on. Tom does compare himself in this scene to Shawshank Redemption, which was troublesome. It's troublesome. And it is troublesome to watch him with people who were literally fired from the show. Billy Lee seems great. And I was actually someone who was like, more interested to get to know Billy Lee. And I find this even more frustrating because I'm like, oh, Billy Lee's back. I would like to know what's happening with Billy Lee's life. Like, what's she up to, and what's? And instead, I gotta watch Billy Lee just literally being brought in to like have someone in a scene with Tom Sandoval because nobody else would film with him. It just all feels so gross and contrived, and it feels like unreal. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like they're all just trying to rehab Tom Sandoval's image. And they're forcing it on us instead of letting it happen naturally. And I just, I know what they're doing. I know what they're doing. I know what they're doing. They're not going to fool me because I can't handle it. I can't handle it. Um, okay, so then we have Allie and Lala talking about James's drinking. Allie says, I'm not going to reveal what the low moment was or the moment that he decided to get sober, his rock bottom. But something happened, and so we're going to have to hopefully get to that later. Get to that later. And we have Lala and Schwartz have a conversation where they make up. I'm just – she says – they talk about Ariana too, and Schwartz says that Ariana looks at her – looks at him like he's subhuman – and it's like, I think she's just pissed that you like tried to cover up this whole affair that her partner of nine years has been having. Like, of course, anyone in that situation would look at that friend like they're a subhuman. I'm sorry, Schwartz, but it's a very natural thing, I think, for Ariana to be looking just three weeks after at this man like he's subhuman. I'm not saying that he is subhuman or deserves to be treated subhuman, but I think certainly from if there's one person in the earth besides his ex wife, if there's one other person, uh, that deserves to kind of look at him that way, I, I think that's okay. And I feel weird that we're acting like it's not. And then uh, they talk about her being on this pedestal and having an ego and being a queen. And I don't know. I'm just sort of so exhausted by this whole scandal. I am. Lala tells Schwartz to get a backbone. And so did Andy Cohen on that episode. I don't know. What should I do? I don't know how to answer this question. And I get it. I get it because I'm a Libra Schwartz. I get it. You flip-flop and you're trying to present every side of the story and make everybody happy, but it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch. Schwartz does apologize for uh, making fun of Lala's lips. Remember last season when he said, go get your lips blown out or whatever. And he says, you're one of the most beautiful women ever. And I'm sorry for making fun of your lips. Um, Schwartz says that Sandoval is family though. And Lala needs to talk to him. And I'm like, does she? Does she? Um, back at Intimacy, they have... Um, Billy Lee says to Tom, you are worthy and deserve bliss. And we did have... I don't know if we talked about the actual dramatic shot of Tom coming out of that cold plunge. But the hair was... It was like they slowed it down and made it so dramatic of him getting out of that cold plunge. And I was like, we need to cool it. We need... To, I don't know what this is. I sort of felt like I was watching one of those... Um, remember that Zach Efron show where he was like doing things in nature or... Uh, Chris uh, Hemsworth, he had one on Disney+, Plus where he was going into the wild. You know, all those actors, they were doing that, especially during the pandemic. It was like travel series about them doing uh, active stuff. And I feel like they all did a cold plunge. And then you got a dramatic shot of them coming out of the cold plunge. And now I'm like, oh, they're trying to do that here on Vanderpump Pools, but I'm not having it. I'm not interested in the scandal stuff. I just feel like it's just... I feel like we're in a kind of a bad place. And I was willing to be patient, but now that... I was willing to be patient until now, until just now. Because, you know, in the past few weeks, I said, well, we're just ramping up. We're just getting started. And now I've turned a corner and they need to ramp it up quicker because I can't do another week like this. Just get anything else going on. Show me literally anything else. I'm interested in the Brock and Sheen of it all. I I don't know that I need to see Tom intimacy with somebody that they let go from the show. If we're not going to learn anything about Billy Lee, then I don't want to see Tom just off on his own adventures. He's either got to be with the group or not at all. Cause what is happening here? It just feels so disjointed. And again, we, I hope he's good and gets help for himself. And I know that he says in, in this scene, he's going through his depression and depression can really convince you of anything. And so he said he was close to suicide. And so I'm so, I, I feel so empathetic towards that. And I hope that producers, if, if this is a deep concern for production or for the other cast members, I hope they say, Oh, well, this is probably what's contributing to it, you being on this national television show. And so if, if that is the case, we need to get you off of it. Uh, okay, so then what's, we have Sheena and Ariana talking about Sandoval because Sheena, there's obviously some trouble with Sheena and Ariana. And if you watch the after show clips, I've been seeing some of them pop up on social media, but the after show clips, it seems like there's tension between Ariana and Sheena. So I don't know if they're going to have a big feud or falling out or if it's just some like underlying stuff that will come to head at the reunion, but it's very interesting. I feel like it's slowly being teased out. And see, that's something that's interesting to me, more so than the Scandaval situation. It's like, well, what about Sheen and our I don't know. It's at least moving the storyline forward a little bit. Um, okay, so what's going on? Uh, we did see Schwartz on the Peloton wearing shoes. I don't know. I just wanted to point that out. I was proud of him. Proud of Schwartz. He had shoes on. Shoes on at home. Wow. Um, then we have Schwartz and his roommate, Joe. We got to talk about Schwartz and Joe. Now, Joe was famously described by Katie Maloney as being spooky. No, Joe, we've been wanting to meet Joe. i certainly been wanting to meet Joe. And we finally do get to meet Joe when she's given Schwartz a haircut. They're doing it in the living room with that TV on the ground. And I would just like to encourage them to maybe go to the balcony or an outdoor space. It seems like they live in an apartment complex. Maybe go by the pool. I don't know. Somewhere else. It just seems not the living room. Even the bathroom. I, I Every once in a while, you know, you need to give your partner a trim. You need to uh, line them up or whatever you got to do when it comes to hair care. Uh, but I just can't imagine doing it in the middle of the living room by the couch. I'm like, and then Tom Sandoval came over and he's like, Oh, dude, are those your pubes? And I was thinking that they could be because if they're just uh, grooming him in the middle of the room, in the middle of the living room, that's where the, that's a communal space. It was just wild to me. You got plants and insects and then you're cutting your hair there. I mean, I said he's like pig pen from the. Peanuts characters from Charlie Brown. And it's every week, I'm more and more concerned that he really is just a real life pig pen from Peanuts. Because that man he has got the bugs and he's got hair. I'm like Joe, go to the balcony or something. Why is Joe even doing that there? It's just these people need to be cleaner or something. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, and Joe's writing him post-it notes as if she's. I mean, what was that about writing him post-it notes? Like she's Ashley Darby from the Rialto Potomac. Remember, she used to do that. And I think it's a good thing to write affirmations on the bathroom. But she wrote, uh, "Dear Buck, um, this is." These were post. I actually paused the screen, so these were post-it notes that I believe Joe wrote to Schwartz and put on the bathroom mirror. But maybe it was Schwartz wrote to Joe. I don't know. who would be, One of them is nicknamed Buck, apparently, because it said, Dear Buck, I love you so much. Thank you for everything. I will miss you. Love Dunks. So it's Buck and Dunks. And then it said XOXO. I don't know. I know where this is, too. And there's a barber called Val Barber, and he needs to go <laughs> – it's literally, I believe, right by this apartment. And so he needs to make an appointment for Val Barber and go – because he's also a male model. He used to get paid to professionally model. And so the fact that this Joe is just cutting his hair in the middle of the living room when he's having guests and he's got a whole camera crew there. I mean, what was production thinking when they're like, Joe's just cutting your cutting your uh, hair right in the middle of this living room? Oh, I don't know. And Schwartz says they haven't had – this was confusing when he was talking about his relationship with Joe. He's like, she is the light of my life, but they were just buds. And, but then he said they had a whirlwind romance. Like, I don't get it. I don't get Joe. And I would like Joe to get a confessional. There was one point where Joe had to hoist Schwartz up from the floor because he couldn't get himself up. And that was actually very dark-sided to me because I just thought Schwartz couldn't even. (laughs) I just was like, Schwartz, you have to like lift your legs up yourself. I just feel like everybody treats him like he's a child. And I just would like us all to remember that that man's a grown man. And so we need a he should be able to stand on his own, maybe like make an appointment for himself to go get a haircut on his own. He should be able to answer a question and watch what happens live on his own. Like this is wild to me. This is wild. And so I hope he gets it together. I did see him doing push ups at one point. Uh, so maybe um I don't know, maybe that'll help. So I don't know. Figure it out, Schwartz. But I we're rooting for you. Now Schwartz invites Sandoval on the trip, and so that's good. Uh, he, Schwartz tells Tom Sandoval that he needs to apologize to Lala. And he says, uh, Sandoval says, Lala, I'm sorry, I gave you so much content for your podcast and help you sell all that merch. Uh, uh, uh. It's just Tom's not getting that, like, he did all this. Like, so if they are selling, like, all of this was caused by you. And he, there was one moment, I believe it was when he was getting in that cold plunge into Misi. Uh, he said something about the people that are closest to you are the ones that hurt you the most, most. And it's like, no shit, you dummy. It's a no sh- no shit, you dummy. Like, everything that you're complaining about is was caused by you. So it's like, that's what I don't think he gets. And he's saying that people were taking Lala and Sheena's lead in how they treat him. It's like, well, they took your lead. So if you're saying that the public took Lala and Sheena's lead... Okay, well, Lala and Sheena took your lead. So you're the one who did all of this, and then they took your lead. Okay, so you actually were the one leading the whole pack. I mean, it's like crazy to me that he does not realize that it's like him – doing a lot of these things. And I also just want to point out, while I'm getting really angry about this, is Lisa Vanderpump so concerned with Tom's mental health. But it, does it seem at all like she's concerned with Ariana or Rachel's... I, I mean, come on. She's always so concerned. And we've said that on Everything I kind of for years now. She always... These guys, especially in Vanderpump Rules, the guys get away with everything. Everything. And then the women are always held to a different standard. And then the women usually don't get to be the stars of this show. And it's just crazy to me it's just crazy to me i don't know uh, i just think it's wild um okay so then the sheen and brock stuff which again i'm most interested in that tori the babysitter's there tori's going to be the one that makes that with baby katie and tom Schwartz, but she's the babysitter and she comes over there uh she did bring up ozempic to Summer moon there was like a little toy baby shot thing and she's like "Summer moon have you heard of ozempic and brock's like absolutely the fuck not. <laughs> <laughs> that made me like Brock more than anything that's ever happened on the show when he was like, absolutely not. Like, stop talking because I don't know. As someone who develops these body issues from a young age, I've I certainly did in my own life. And so you, we do not need to be, Summer Moon does not need to be thinking about her body or weight or Ozempic or none of it. None of it. We've got to stop that. And so, Tori, you know, you're on watch, Tori. <laughs> No, but we thank you, Tori, for bringing your services to the show, because it looks like you're going to bring us a storyline soon. And I'm very excited about that. Um, Then we have uh, Brock and Chino without the kid. Brock seems frustrated. And also they sit down with DJ James Kenny and Allie. And it made me laugh when Brock blew Allie a kiss, because I don't know, it just was silly. (laughs) He blew her a kiss. Um, And Allie says, look, she didn't have a long term relationship with Tom Sandoval. So she's happy to go on this cast trip. But here's the thing with the cast trip, like, either go on the cast trip or stop talking about it. I I It feels like we're in this place where I just keep hearing about them going on this Tahoe trip, and it's like, just get there already. It's feeling like we're spending so many episodes with the cast making excuses for why they want to hang out with Tom Sandoval on the cast trip, or why they can't hang out with Tom Sandoval on the cast trip, and just get me on the cast trip, skip through all this stuff, because it feels like we're just going in circles a little bit, right? And Andy Cohen always says in interviews this thing about being on an island where he famously says that um there was one real house of Beverly Hills season remember where Brandy at the reunion she like zoomed into the reunion with a glass of wine and she just starts talking about the other women and it's clear that at that moment the network that was probably season what 4 or 5 or something of Beverly Hills house maybe 6 um but the it seemed to me like the network the production company they wanted to keep Brandy around Uh, And so they brought her in for the reunion performance. They wanted to keep her around, but they had said in interviews that she was always on an island towards the end of her tenure on the Real house houses, Beverly Hills. And when a customer's on their own Island, you can't have them back. Right? So they even said that with the Salt Lake city housewives with Monica, like Monica would be on an Island. It won't make sense for her to be on the show in this friend group. And I just would like to point out that this is what's happening on Vanderpump rules right now. So if the rule is that you can't have a person on an Island, and that's what's happening on Vanderpump Rules. So it's like we got Tom Sandoval on an island all by himself. And I know that they were in between a rock and a hard place because Sandoval is the biggest thing to happen on the show and this network for so many years. And so if they didn't bring Tom Sandoval back, what would, what would the show look like? What would it be? But then yet here we are on an island with this person and the show is suffering for it. And so we either need to get him off that island quicker or uh, we didn't need him back or something because what's happening now is so strange to me. Okay, I'm sorry for complaining. Then we see this scene with James getting Graham back. And it was sweet. And I don't know, that poor dog. I just hope the best for that dog. I don't know exactly. I didn't really understand. So Rachel just like left the dog when she went. Where did she leave the dog? What was going on there? I don't know. We end that a week... Uh, with the dog, it's all, I don't know, just, it's not hitting for me. I'm sorry. It's just not hitting for me right now. We're only four weeks in, so I'm not going to complain too much because next week we could hit and good and it'll be great going forward. We'll see. But as it stands, I don't know, I'm not, I'm concerned. Next week we get Sheen and Brock with the nanny. We get uh, the Lake Tahoe trip finally and, uh, very excited for that. Um, so let's take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the real houses of Beverly Hills. The uh, not supersized finale. The Real House of Miami had a supersized finale. I hate to point that out, but they had a supersized finale on Miami Housewives. And Beverly Hills did not have a supersize yet. that They did pick up filming after they originally wrapped to capture all of the Mauricio and Kyle stuff. So let's uh, take a break, and we'll come back and talk about The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. <music> Icons. I know if you're anything like me, you have a bunch of subscriptions that you just completely forget about or things you paid for twice and you didn't realize it. And that's where Rocket Money comes in. If you haven't used Rocket Money, it's a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending, helps you lower your bills so you can grow your savings. It makes things so easy. Plus with Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses so I can see and it makes It's so easy to check in and just make sure that you're not paying for things that you're not supposed to be paying for or things that you don't want to be paying for. Rocket Money makes it so easy. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of 500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash iconic. That's rocketmoney.com slash iconic, rocketmoney.com slash iconic. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com Everything Iconic. And we're back. I
2: know what you
1: it's not Don't work work this time. time. Oh, I love that song. It's Dionne Ferris. Uh It was an old 90s song. So good. So good. Okay, The Real House of Beverly Hills, all about the white party at SoFi Stadium, which is a flex. And if this show is going to be about glamour and wealth and showcasing that wealth... Uh, then doing a white party at the SoFi Stadium really is kind of what we want. Kyle did a direct TV commercial there. She hired Kevin Lee, she, 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 darling, of course, uh, of LVP fame to come and do this. And, you know, I, Kevin Lee is one of my arch nemeses. He's on my list of arch nemesis because nemeses, nemesis, nemeses, uh, because uh, he has said for years and years and years that he was the what Martin Short's character in Father of the Bride was based on. Uh, but that is not actually true. That's not actually true, according to my research that I've done. I've done really countless hours of research on this. So anyway, I know that we're supposed to be excited to see Kevin Lee, she, 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 darling. However, I'm not, because he's one of my arch one of my arch nemesis sees, says, sees sees, sees, sees candy. I just had some sees candy recently. So fucking good. Um, okay. So then, uh, yeah, Erica's performing at this event at the Sophie Stadium, which is exciting. Uh, what else do we have going on? We have this scene with Sutton and her daughter, Porter. I like the name Porter. Did we know this? Her daughter's name is Porter. I just like that name. They go to this jeweler though, and Sutton's trying on all these like half a million dollar jewels to show, I guess she was saying, She's showcasing how women need to be independent and free, and she wants her daughter to be independent, and then Sutton went and bought these $68,000 earrings. And I just feel like maybe there's another way for Porter to learn this lesson than by buying uh, jewels in front of her that are $70,000. I don't know. Call me crazy. I'm not here to judge someone's parenting. Uh, however, that is what I'm going to do the rest of this episode, because we're going to have to talk about that Kyle and Reese sitting down with the daughter situation. Uh, which is not going to be fun for me to talk about. But well, actually, why don't we just talk about this now? Because did you see Mauricio is going to be on this Netflix uh, show? He's got buying Beverly Hills whatever the fuck that show is called on Netflix. going to be entering season two. Now, Netflix just released a clip where Mauricio is sitting down with the daughters and he's talking about his relationship with Kyle. And so Netflix released this clip from season two. And season two is not even going to premiere until, I believe, end of March. And so they released this before the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills finale that aired. And I have a lot of issues with this. First of all, I know Bravo is pissed because they released that before the finale, and all of the juicy stuff between Kyle Mo and the daughters happened in this week's finale. Uh They've been teasing it out for weeks and weeks and weeks, and here comes Netflix swooping in and getting them with the scoop. So you just know Bravo is pissed about that. But then I'm also kind of pissed at Kyle and Mauricio for them forcing the daughters to have these conversations on camera a hundred times for seven different shows – It's wild to me. And Portia is only 15 years old, I think it said on The Real House of Beverly Hills this week. 15 years old, as it's happening on screen. So why are you making this 15-year-old daughter uh, talk about – have these conversations on camera, A, even one time, but B, more than once? It seems troubling. I mean I can't imagine being 15 and having a conversation with my parents where they're talking about being separated uh, and have that air. And Portia on this week's Beverly Hills episode was – was it her that was crying? One of the daughters was crying in Kyle's arms. And it made me feel so icky. And I am going to be the first person to say on a microphone that uh, when it comes to reality shows, all that real stuff, the real – the authenticity, that's what makes a good show. And I love when the real moments creep into these shows amongst amongst the petty drama with the infighting and the craziness that we oftentimes come to Housewives for. Uh, So I'm the first person to say that. But there is something icky to me when it's like a 15-year-old daughter, a kid, a kid – And then having to see that, I mean, I couldn't imagine a clip of my parents saying they were getting separated, living on forever in the world of television, because that's going to be a clip that Portia could forever see. And that moment is just so raw and personal. And so to see that on this week's Beverly Hills made me feel icky, but then also to see another conversation that they had for Netflix, it's like, at a certain point, we should get other jobs or something like yeah. Mauricio owns the agency. Like, what he doesn't need the Netflix TV show. So, when the Netflix TV show is, um, being about your daughters in relationship with your wife, it's like, this is dark-sided. And maybe you need to all get off TV or at least just stick to one show instead of a hundred shows. Like, why are they all on a hundred shows anyway? is Kyle and Reese the type of family that needs to have six different shows and 100 different streamers? I mean, what is happening? It's just wild to me. It's crazy. And I don't think it's appropriate. And so I do throw issue. I do throw issue. I do throw issue. I know what they're doing.
2: I know what you're doing and it's not going to work
1: this time. And I'm so fucking skeptical of them, like, piecemealing out information about their relationship, about their family, about their uh, side relationships with people like Morgan or whoever. They even showed on the Real House of Beverly Hills, they showed these headlines where it was like one of Kyle and Morgan, and then they showed uh Mauricio, and their headline had a picture of him with these two young gals on vacation. It's like so they're piecing out information about infidelity and and whatever else is going on. And it just feels so gross and calculated for a TV show, and maybe it's not, and maybe none of that was purposeful, and maybe this all just happened, stands happened when it happened, coincidentally and timing-wise, it just ended up where it was coming to crescendo at the end of the season. So we had our big finale where we revealed information, and that leads into our season two of the Netflix show with the rest of the family over here. So maybe that was all completely coincidental, but it doesn't feel coincidental to the audience. It feels very uh, manipulative and it feels like everybody's just piecing out information to get us tuned in week after week and of course that's what reality shows do in general but something about this situation with Kyle and Mauricio and the daughters feels extra extra icky to me it feels extra icky to me. And I don't know what I'm picking up on, but I'm picking up on something. <laughs> I'm, I'm sniffing it out and I'm sniffing some sense. I'm sniffing some sense that I do not care for. I do not care for them. I'm saying PU, Kylan Mauricio, PU. I'm smelling something that's not passing the sniff test. And I'm not sure if I got a quite handle on what it is exactly, but I will. I will eventually because I'm sniffing and I'm saying PU. Um, Okay, so what else is going on? This episode's going to be long because we haven't even gotten to the white party yet. We did get two seconds of Anna Marie's husband. And I was like, who is that? Because Anna Marie, we never see her at home. There's no way she's coming back, I do not believe. I mean, we got one second of the husband. And we know almost nothing about Anna Marie. Her only uh, storyline was about the small esophagus. So there's no way. But in general, I think this cast, my advice for this cast, I know we're at the finale, I don't know if we're going to cover the reunions on Everything Iconic. You know, I don't always love to recap the reunions. they're sort of boring to recap. But uh, I think that they should either lean into the Kathy, Kyle, and Kim next season. And that means we need Kathy, Kyle, and Kim all together as main cast members. And to me, that would fulfill the prophecy that The Real House of Beverly Hills started back in season one. So I would like like maybe a swan season, swan song season one or two maybe seasons where it's Kyle, Kathy, and Kim. And of course, the ghost of Big Kath will be the friend of that season. But we need to get really deep into those dynamics. And then you can have some other uh, cast members or whatever. But that's what I would like to see next season and if we're not going to do that, then I would actually prefer maybe a full reboot. I'm sorry to say a full reboot. I said it. I said it. And you know, I wasn't a fan of the full reboot when it came to the Real Houses in New York. But when it comes to the Real Housewives Beverly Hills, I just feel like we need to do something else. Something needs to shift. Needs to happen for me, at least. That's my opinion. Um, okay. So then PK and Dorit also they're just hinting and. I'm feeling skeptical of their whole storyline too, because I just feel like they're kind of like throwing little nuggets out for us. I feel like here's the thing with Beverly Hills also. I feel like they throw little, little tiny nuggets to keep us on board and without really giving us the full nuggets because they don't want to fully go there. And it pisses me off. This is why it pissed me off. Cause I watched some of the other franchises where the women, something like The Real House of Miami, where they, I feel like they do really fully bring themselves to these shows. And, uh, I don't know. You can go down the list of, Um, The Real Housewives of uh, Salt Lake City. They've all had their moments. They've all had good moments and they've also had bad seasons where they haven't done this. But I feel like when some of the other Housewives come and they they are just showcasing all of themselves, whether you like it or not – and on Beverly Hills, it just feels so calculated. And of course it does because they're in Beverly Hills and they're media trained. And I get it. But that's what frustrates me so so much about it. Um, you know who I love on Real House of Beverly Hills is Hip Hop Rob. Yeah, that's right. Crystal's husband Rob. Remember, she said a couple seasons ago his nickname was Hip Hop Rob. And, and I wonder if they fight at all. Do you think they fight? Like, I think they're so rich that they don't fight. I think they're like at that 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 tax bracket where they just don't fight. I don't know, I believe that. And I know they say like doesn't matter how much money you have, you still deal with problems. And I do believe that they still deal with problems, but I just don't know if they deal with problems amongst the two of them. Because I feel like once you have that much money and that big of a house and stuff, can't you just go to separate wings? Like I would just be like, Matt, I'm going to the other wing of the house, and I'm going to watch the movie Lion King that I directed. (laughs) And so I wouldn't be sad. I'd be like, I just fucking directed The Lion King, and I'm rich and got this house. So... I don't know. Um, anyway, I like the two of them together. They seem they seem like they like each other a lot. Um, then uh, PK and dreet So we did talk briefly about them. Uh, PK is still in London. Whatever. Uh, we get to the SoFi Stadium. Mauricio walks into this white party and just goes, "I'm feeling vibes." He said something else that was so douchey too. He's like, "Oh," he said to the daughters, "He's like, you girls are slaying." And I'm like, "Mauricio, you need to. We need to get you at the source or something because I do not need to hear you saying that your daughters are slaying." Or that you're feeling vibes. I mean, Mauricio needs to cool it. He needs to cool. It. I just do not care for that man. I do not trust him. I actually trust anybody more than him. You know what, man? I trust way more than Mauricio. Mikey Minden. That's right. I love seeing that man. I love seeing Mikey Minden on the show. I don't know that I always love seeing Mikey Minden on the show, but now every time I see that man, I get a uh, uh, chill up my spine. I get excited. It honestly feels like, uh, remember, um, Gosh, remember when you would watch a sitcom in the 90s, and they'd have a guest star, and then everyone would fucking lose their shit. It didn't matter who it was. It was like Tori Spelling appearing in glasses on Saved by the Bell, and everyone was like,
2: Whoa! Like, like
1: People just exploded, like their heads just explode, like they were in Oprah for the audience of Oprah's Favorite Things. Like, that's what happened anytime. Uh, you'd have uh, just the most innocuous person, didn't matter who it was. It could be like the original Aunt Viv from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air guest starring on Family Matters, and everyone would just be like, what? Like, <laughs> nuts. And I kind of feel like that's how I feel when I see Mikey Minnan on any of the Bravo shows. I feel like I'm watching a 90s sitcom, and Rita Moreno pops in for a scene, and I'm just like, What? It's uh, I lose it. I like it. I like it. And I also there's something about Bamboozled Jane's old school showgirl energy that I also really respond to because I feel like it doesn't exist with performers as much anymore. Like I feel like Erica Jane legitimately at that Las Vegas residency, she's backstage smoking a cig with them dancer boys, and she's having a gay old time with those boys. She's not se- she's not going to her separate dressing room or she's not leaving the venue early or whatever. She's hanging with the boys all night. And I just feel like she's got that old five, six, seven, eight showgirl energy. It's the kind, of, the kind of energy that I think Sheena Shea has as well. And not a lot of people I'm noticing, not a lot of performers have that. Not a lot of performers where it's there's no diva attitude, just sitting with some uh, boa uh, and some fake feathers in the dressing room and uh, talking to the gay boys. And that's all she's doing. Five, six, seven, eight. And then she's lights up performing. And so I think that's um, that's a good kind of energy to have. And I'm thankful for Bamboozle Jane and Sheena Shea for keeping the showgirl industry alive. Because otherwise, I just don't – I look at some of these – you watch the Grammys, you watch these award shows, and I just feel like a lot of these new young performers, they don't have that old-school hard work ethic attitude. And so I don't imagine them sitting backstage with the Marlboro Light uh, and the gay boys. I just don't imagine that. I feel like they go to the hotel room or they leave the venue immediately. Not Bamboozled Chain. or she's going to sit there with Mikey Minden and she's going to have a cig. I don't even know if she smokes, but I do imagine she would have a cigarette with them. I just do have a, have a cigarette with them. Um, Okay, a lot of random people at this white party. We got Faye Resnick, Jeff Lewis, Cynthia Bailey, Camille, Denise, Money. Denise again bringing us content more than the other gals because Denise was mic'd up, gave us a hot mic moment. She wore some pink. She just came out there with Big Dick Aaron, and she brought us some moments on the TV show. And I actually think that Denise was the star of the whole season. More so than anyone else, Denise gave us more viral moments. She gave us more things that people were talking about with that upside-down jacket. And now she's got the hot mic moment. And I just think like Denise brought way more to this show than anybody else's. And also, the fact that they kept that hot mic moment in Denise was so fucked up because she's, again, not a cast member. And I don't believe she's getting paid for these appearances. And so they're using Denise a hot mic when she's not even paid as a cast member. It's just like so shady, but I love Denise and I'm happy that she came and took over the show, but she's bringing an it factor to the show that that's my problem with Beverly Hills right now. I feel like, where's the it factor? Where are the, where's the chemistry? Where's the it factor? Where's the, I'm not I see a no X factor on this show. No X Factor on this show lately. And so we. Denise comes in, and I'm seeing an X Factor briefly. You see what a star is like every time Denise shows up on screen. It's like, oh, that's what it is. That's what that is. That's what that is. It's a star. but It takes Denise Richards to pop on there with Big Dick Aaron to realize that we're missing a star on the show. And so I know the season's been led by Kyle, and the Sutton, of course, has stepped in in front of the red light and become a star in her own right. However, I think Denise, you just see a different X factor when it comes to her on screen. She's just popping in. She's an old-time showgirl, too. She's got that old showgirl energy as well. So Denise Richards, you just know, back in the day in the 90s, she did a movie with a T-Rex. That's right. I don't know if you know this, but she did a movie with Paul Walker and a T-Rex. And so she's been on a set or two that she probably didn't want to be on. And so she knows that she's got work to do and she's got to deliver. And so immediately when she shows up in the Real House of Beverly Hills, she delivers. And some of these other cast members, just uh, they don't have that energy. And so I'm going to need them to go to the Sheena Shea School of Showgirls Girls and figure it out. And maybe get back to us next season. Because as it stands, I'm noticing a lot of downtime with these women. And these gals aren't bringing it. And so I don't know what they need to do. Go to, I don't know, go to the, uh, what is that, um, the Rockettes? Maybe they need to do a Rockette class or something. I don't know. It's not my job. We gotta take a quick break here. We'll be back with so much more recaps. Uh, find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and we'll be right back. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that
2: Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC
1: Um, Also, there's one of them glam bot cameras at this, which was strange. They had a glam bot. And it's like, we're at a football stadium with a glam bot and it's for Kyle Richard's white party. Like, okay, that's another Mad Lib sentence. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? And Marie- meanwhile, Mauricio thought they were having the party in the parking lot. He didn't even know that it was going to be at the football field. And Kyle's like, we had talked about, it. they even showed footage of Kyle being like, oh, I'm so excited. Or I just did the walkthrough. I can't wait to do this party at the SoFi Stadium. And Maurice was like, oh, cool. And then in real time, Maurice was like, oh, I thought we were doing this in the parking lot. I'm like, "Mauricio, you need to wake up. You need to open them eyes and wake up. Because you're, uh. as it stands, he's not paying attention to nobody. And he's not even catching that they're doing the party at the football field. And instead, he thinks they're doing it in a parking lot. And also, what what is why is he thinking they're doing it in the parking lot? I don't know. I bet you he thinks like Netflix wouldn't put us in the parking lot. But um then we <laughs> then we have Erica's performance and she walks on stage dressed like if Rocky Balboa fucked Sharpay from high school musical franchise. Like that's the kind of vibe she was getting, because she had that Philadelphia robe on, you know, with the and she looked just like Rocky Balboa, who's an Italian hero, if you ask me. Of course, I was raised in Rocky Balboa. That To me, that was Bible growing up in an Italian household. It was like, you put on Rocky, one, two, three, four, it didn't matter. You put on Rocky Balboa, and you watch, and that's how you learn. And so that, more so than the religion classes I took as a Catholic school student, I learned more from Rocky Balboa films, because that's a, my dad's Gary Pellegrino. said You sit down, you sit your ass in front of the TV, and you watch the Rocky movies, and you learn about life. That's what you do. You watch Watch The Godfather. You watch Rocky. You watch Casino. You know, I was four years old watching Casino. And I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but my parents, they'd pop me in front of the TV as a toddler and say, watch my cousin Vinny. You need to learn from Marissa Tomei. And so that's what we did, the school of hard knocks. And so, um, you know, I appreciate that she walked right on stage, bamboozled chain, just like Rocky Balboa with a little get a little, you know, she bedazzled it too. It was bedazzled. She got the bedazzler out and she said, I'm going to, I'm going to give the gays everything they want. And then she lip sync and she did. She did. Um, and this was the hot mic moment where Denise said, she told Big Dick Aaron, she's like, Erica's going to lip sync. Come watch. And she said, thank God the cameras are way over there. and then, <laughs> and then Denise. <laughs> Then Denise said, God, I'm such a bitch. She said, I'm such a bitch. Or I know I'm a bitch. And she was miked, and I like that. But then Erica sings Expensive, which is a great song. It's expensive to be her. It is. With all them legal fees, it is. More true now than ever. Um, So then Erica, uh, Kyle says, um, after Erica's performance of her one song, Kyle says, Erica Jane just made her comeback. And then Dorit said, she gave the people what they wanted. She's a real showman, Dorit said. And they were acting like this was a Super Bowl performance and not Kyle Richard's white party. I mean, I'm not saying it was a nice big party, but I don't know that there was tons of that many people there. I guess it was for the show. So Erica was also performing for the audience at home. But I just thought they were all acting like she just got off stage at the Super Bowl. She's a showman. She just made her comeback. I'm like, did she? Um, okay, so then we end uh, with um, all of their title cards. So Erica's doing new music. PK and Dorit are struggling. Uh, also, it's revealed in the title cards at the end that Dorit and Kyle haven't spoken since December? You guys, since December, what? Oh, and then Anna Marie and Crystal haven't interacted. And then um, Anna Marie's title card, it says uh, she doesn't give medical advice at parties anymore.
0: Baby, keep it to yourself.
2: I don't
1: Just it also felt like we had the biggest fucking cast this week when they were doing the title cards. I'm like, I don't forgot about half these people, and then I got to do the title card. And the same thing over on the Real Houses of Miami, they gave title cards to Kiki, Marisol, and Adriana, too, which they deserve. They should be main cast members over there in Miami. Uh, But they did title cards for what, like 11 of them or however many people they have in that cast. And it didn't feel too long. But here on Beverly Hills, I was like, this is going on too long. But I guess we had to get all their – Crystal's title card was that she accepts that her brother lives part-time in Thailand and has a girlfriend. Like, okay, like we barely met that man. I mean, he was in – was he in one scene? I was like, who the fuck cares that he's (laughs) – I mean, Crystal probably cares. I get it. But as an audience, I'm thinking we saw one quick scene with that man saying he was going to move to Thailand part-time. And so I, I don't really have much connection. So then when they're telling me in the title card, like, well, he lives there part time. It's like, okay, I don't give a flying fuck. <laughs> I'm being so mean. That was mean. But I really didn't give a flying fuck about him or really any of these things that were happening. Um, I did give a flying fuck about Sutton, though. When she fell, I felt bad for her. She fell. And when they were watching Erica Jane perform, this was during the performance Sutton Fell, and Dorit had the most oversized uh, reaction to this. It was like I was watching the Disney Channel because Dorit just saw Sutton Fell and then she made this huge face like, oh, my God, like it was just she was acting nuts. Then they did a group photo where they all looked miserable, and then it cut to one month later. But the group photo, you just have to go rewind. Go rewind and watch that group photo that happened at the end, because they all looked completely miserable. I've never seen a group of people look more miserable. Um, But then we cut to one month later. All the gals are at home one month later, and this was when they picked up filming because the season was so boring. I I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, They picked up filming because People Magazine released a statement that Kyle and Mauricio had officially split. That's right. They had officially split... Not divorced, but officially split. And the People magazine came out, and cameras just happened to be at everybody's houses as they were getting this information in real time. Uh, And so they all picked up their phones and said, what? How is this happening? Even though clearly they had a group text happening before all of this. And we're like, we're going to react to this on camera. And so that's probably happened. But moving on, uh, Sutton actually is pissed because she thinks Kyle's been lying to them the whole time. She says it's sus. She says it's sus. Sus. So she must have been talking to Mauricio. And I'm sus about that because I feel like Sutton used the word sus. That means that she's been having these low-key conversations with Mauricio. Because I believe no one else in the cast would use the term sus the way that Sutton did, except for Mauricio. And so now I'm thinking that those two are in cahoots. And I just want to keep eyes and ears on that. I know that the rumors and people thought, oh, maybe Dorit and Mauricio had a love affair. Nope, I'm seeing things different. I got my eyes open now. And uh, I know what they're doing. I know what they're doing, and I'm on to them.
2: I know what you're doing.
1: That's right. I know, because I'm seeing too many too many things, too many crossovers. Her saying sus, and Mauricio saying things like vibes and slaying. You know, I'm on to them. I'm on to them. Um, then we see Kyle at home reading her tweets. So bamboozle Jane comes over to have a conversation with Kyle about the Mauricio situation, which is so fascinating that Dorit doesn't come over, because normally this would have been a conversation with Dorit. So that just goes to show us that the, the fracture in the Dorit-Kyle and relationship is even stronger than I had to realize, because otherwise Dorit would have been in the scene, but instead it's Bamboozled Jane. And Erica apologizes to Splits Richards for not being attentive enough. She said, how did I miss this? and Kyle says, well, there wasn't one big thing. She said uh, it wasn't cheating. Erica asked, oh, what is going on with that? Is that cheating? Um, and then they have this conversation, and I want to play a little clip for you, because they're trying to tell us, or, or hmm, how should we put this? They've led us to believe that Erica Bamboozled Jane and Kyle Splits Richards are closer than what I actually think they are, right? They've been trying to present them as good friends. Obviously, that's why they sent Bamboozle Jane into the scene to have this one-on-one with Kyle after this big news dropped. So that in and of itself is trying, that's production telling us actually Bamboozle Jane and Splits Richards are close friends. Um So that's what we're led to believe. But then the conversation, it really did feel like they were meeting for the first time. And I'm just going to play a clip from this conversation, but I swear it was like they just met for the very first time and let's take a listen.
0: When we first met, you know, we were really opposites. Oh, really? Complete opposites. Wow, wow. And that worked. Right, yeah. You know, I always would joke and say, if it wasn't for me, he would be dead because I keep him safe. And if it wasn't for him, you know, I would never take chances in life. Oh, wow. I did not. that worked. I, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, wow, I did not know that. <laughs> Kyle's talking about her relationship with Mauricio. And I'm not uh, assuming that Erica's going to know everything about a relationship with Mauricio, but I feel like after uh, 10 years on this show together, that's all about them opening up about their lives and their relationships and their uh, feelings, that Erica Jane would know a little bit of backstory about uh, Kyle's relationship with Mauricio, but instead they're sitting in that scene and Erica's like, wow, what? I felt like she didn't even know that Kyle and Mauricio were together. I feel like just in that moment, she's like, wait... He's your husband? <laughs> like, 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 that was the kind of vibe I was getting from that conversation. Wow, what? Huh? What? I didn't know that. Huh? What? <laughs> Uh, Erica deserved an Emmy. Uh, deserved an Emmy. And also, she gave good advice, too, because Kyle cries so she's not proud of the marriage. She said, she's frustrated by the marriage. She feels bad. Everybody's rooting for her. And Erica's like, fuck everyone's opinion. And then she said, you need to worry about what your needs are inside your needs. And I don't know. She was just giving really good advice. And just give her the Emmy. I'm sorry. Give her the Emmy. Then they cut to one week later. One week later, and they play funeral music as we see Mo with his new chompers. And they're about to sit down with the gals. And he's got to go to Panama but before he does. He's going to sit down with the daughters. And Portia's, again, only 15, and they haven't talked about divorce yet, but they sit the gals down and say, we haven't talked about divorce. And there was a weird moment where Mauricio maybe let it slip that they aren't living under the same roof. I don't know. It was I was sad that Portia cried on. It made me feel icky. And then Kyle was like, we're not broken, just bent. And this was the first time I actually thought that she was a lesbian, because when she said, we're not broken, just bent, which is a Pink lyric, that felt very lesbian-coded to me. I'm sorry it did. I don't know if you remember that song that Pink came out with. It was like... We're just broken, just bent, and we can learn to love again. You know, that was a song. And I, that, it's not, and pink's not a lesbian, but it's very lesbian coded. And I don't know how to explain that in detail, but just know that that's how I feel. And the fact that Kyle was referencing a pink lyric, just, and maybe she wasn't referencing that. Obviously, that's a famous phrase, but I do believe that Kyle was referencing a pink lyric. I don't think she was just referencing a quote when she said, We're not broken, just bent. As she said, we're a family, always will be. I think she was singing that lyric. I think she was singing that line in the, in the cadence of pink. And that more than anything else, more than the situation with the honky tonk lesbian that we saw on camera when they were singing that song at the event, uh, more than anything else, I do feel like this was Kyle saying out loud and proud, I'm a lesbian or out loud and proud, I'm bisexual because she was quoting a pink lyric. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's my, uh, that's my heart and my truth. Um, then we have the confessional, which I, empathize with Kyle again and I'm sad but it was hard to take any of the confessional seriously when she's dressed like Katie Maloney in the confessional because they're wearing the same outfit you know Katie Maloney's got the confessional look with the with the white collar and the black top and now Splits Richards also has the same outfit and I think Kyle I don't know who came first I guess Kyle came first um, but maybe I would like them, uh, two of these scales, to get together, too. Speaking of bisexual, lesbian situations, maybe that would be a good outfit uh, or a good uh, relationship between these two because Katie's making out with uh, Sheena's nanny. But maybe we could do that kind of crossover. That would actually give Lisa Vanderpump something interesting to do on Vanderpump Rules as well because she'd get pissed at Katie for hooking up with Kyle the Splits Richards. You know, I, I don't know. That would be the scandal. That would be the scandal. But it's hard to take Kyle seriously sitting in that outfit when she's talking about the dissolution of her marriage to Marisu after 100 years. Uh, because all I'm sitting there thinking of is, uh, pump teenies and something about her because I'm thinking Kyle wore that same outfit in her professional this same week. Um, anyway, there's a montage of Kyle and Mauricio, uh, where it didn't, it did made me sad. It made me sad. And I do believe that the producers are trying to kill me because I was crying like a little baby. I'm sorry. Despite the fact that I think it's all very manipulative, uh, I still cried like a little baby. Um, anyway, Kyle, she did mend her relationship with Kathy. We're going to see Kathy at the reunion unexplicably, inexplicably. I don't understand why Kathy's going to be at the reunion, but we're going to see her. Uh, and then, which uh, again proves my point that we need to go all in with Kathy, Kyle, and Kim next season. Um, but then uh, we're also going to learn about Kyle living separately from Mo hopefully uh, we'll hear more about the morgan situation we'll hear about um, mauricio maybe with the younger women i don't know the reunion looks interesting kyle trying to silence dorit is interesting andy yawns as dorit is talking this is all from the preview of the reunion that starts next week but we do see in the preview that andy starts to yawn while dorit is talking and that made me laugh again because he always does that <laughs> i don't think dorit will be back next season I kind of feel like the, the only thing that I think they'll keep Dorit around for is if at the reunion she reveals more information about her situation with uh, PK. PK! So if her and Bubba are on the outs, I do feel like they'll bring her back. But otherwise, if she tries to hide any of that at the reunion or doesn't get into it or or if the Dorit and Kyle relationship doesn't land, then I think they will get rid of Dorit. I do. Um, and then Kathy comes out with her purse. She's brought the purse out and then Sutton at the end of the reunion trailer she's got a medical emergency. A medical emergency. Oh, that's the end of the episode, you guys. Thank you so much for listening to Everything Iconic. I love you all so much. You can find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Thank you all. And uh, you can get my books as well on Amazon. And uh, let's take a deep breath in. Let's do a cheesy little cool down. Hold it. Breathe out. Now, whenever there's a new season of a show starting, we get a lot of new listeners here on Everything Iconic, and they always get confused when I do this at the end of the episodes. I do these cheesy little cooldowns, which started as a joke, but then ultimately became something I think we all could use. Uh, and so welcome if you're new to the podcast, and thank you all so much for the support and sharing the podcast with friends and everything. And uh, let's take one more deep breath in and hold it. I'll breathe out. We got to remember to take these deep breaths in sometimes. I forget, certainly. Um, Anyway, have a good week. Love y'all. Bye-bye.